It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Smith rifles that one to Mims. And that's a foot race. He's going to win. Touchdown, Baylor. Denzel Mims with another monster score of 70 yards. Five straight games, Anthony, where he's got a touchdown catch of over 20. That's to the middle of that line, and it's a touchdown. Big return for Crowder, 85 yards. Donald escapes, trying to buy himself some time. Fires, end zone, it's caught. Incredible play by Donald. He'll hit immediately when he got the handoff. You know and that's <laughs> the Q-inator. Oh my gosh. Listen, thank you. From the TOJ Digital Studio, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And no practice today, so I thought we would talk to Michael Nania, who hasn't been in for a bit, and we can break down one of the Jets' newest starting acquisitions, that, of course, Bradley McDougald, who should be the strong safety this season for the Jets, although they've been using Marcus May quite a bit there, so maybe they're going to mix and match a little bit. But on paper, at least, McDougal will be the strong safety. Michael, it's been a little while since the last time we've talked. I believe there was a trade of some sort that happened. Yeah, I think so. It was, I forget who it was, but I, they gave up a, a pick, I think, and they got a couple picks back. I think there were a couple safeties in there, but uh, they there was some news. I, I honestly forget what it was, but I, we could touch on it a little bit. I don't know too much about what happened. I think Dexter McDougal was involved. Uh, but, you know, it, something did happen, and that is newsworthy. We are, of course, joking that Jamal Adams trade big news <laughs> with the Jets. You know that if you've been listening to the podcast or if you've been following anything involving the Jets. But today, we want to talk about the other side of the Jamal Adams trade, namely the safety that came back, because Michael's done some really good work on Bradley McDougal. Now, Michael, we were talking about this before we started recording. If the Jets hadn't gotten McDougal, they would have had a really big problem at strong safety, because while Marcus May has looked pretty good when he's been used at strong safety in training camp, it's not something that he's done on a regular basis. Same with Ashton Davis. And then you look behind them, and there's not really much. Matthias Fairley is going to compete for a roster spot, and there are some other guys in the mix, but they're very thin at strong safety. So to get McDougal was smart. What Joe Douglas essentially did was throw in an extra fourth in 2022 in order to get McDougal back. You heard Corbin Smith on the podcast talk about how he thinks the Jets may have tried to get Marquise Blair, but instead settled for McDougal. But that's fine because McDougal's a pretty solid player. He's versatile. He can play both free safety and strong safety. But here with the Jets, he'll play strong safety. And from what I understand, he's actually better at that position. Michael, you've taken a look at Mr. McDougal. So let's start with some of the positives before we get to the negatives. He's pretty good in coverage. Yeah, and, and to go back to what you said, it was really important that they got him in this trade because uh, if you if you didn't get a replacement for Adams in that deal, they'd be left with a big hole at safety. Like you said, Ashton Davis is not that's not really the role that you're projecting him in. Hopefully, he can become uh, a free safety down the line, or you know, to play next to Marcus May in the future. Maybe they go to a cover two defense and you play him there. Uh, but strong safety, playing in the box, covering. Uh, you know, just playing that role that kind of Adams did with the Jets, that's not really his strength. Uh, and then beyond that, you just have zero depth whatsoever. Farley, when he played last year, did not look good at all. 
and uh, only has one season of starting experience with the Colts. And obviously wasn't too, the Colts weren't too impressed by that because he was on the bench for them the next year and barely played for the Jets this year. So they'd have a big hole at safety if they didn't get a replacement, a, a solid replacement for Adams, which they did get in McDougal. Uh, and safety is a position where all you really need if you want to win is just reliability, consistency, not missing a bunch of tackles, not blowing coverages. Uh, because safety is a position where if, if you mess up, it's usually going to result in a touchdown. If you bust a coverage, if you miss a tackle in the open field, it, you're going to give up touchdowns and big gains. So if you're really bad there, like the Jets were in 2016 with Calvin Pryor and Marcus Gilchrist, if you're really bad, then it's going to hurt you a lot. And But if you're okay then, and you're not having those mistakes, then you can survive and you can move on. Now, there's a difference between guys like Marcus May, McDougald, who are you know solid players, and the Jamal Adams of the world, who are complete, absolute difference makers, who do bring a lot of playmaking to the table. Those guys obviously have a lot of value. We've talked on here a lot about how much Adams brings to the table. And if you have those guys, that's great, but you don't need them. All you need is to have the consistency there to where you're not giving up a bunch of big plays and making big mistakes that destroy the entire defense. And with McDougal and May, I think the Jets have that. Like you said, in coverage, that's where McDougal shines the most. He's definitely definitely thrives there more so against the run, at least from what I've seen, both with the little bit I've watched on film and looking at his numbers, uh, especially in slot coverage. That's where he really stands out mostly against tight ends, but he's even had some reps against wide receivers in the slot. Uh, but in the slot over the last two seasons, among the 100, among the 52 safeties with at least 100 snaps in slot coverage, McDougald has given up the ninth fewest yards per target, only five yards per target, and the ninth fewest yards per cover snap, about 0.7. So he's been very good covering in the slot, uh, especially for his position. Uh, that's where you're getting the most value out of him. You can put him straight man-to-man on the tight end. He can press the line. He can play off. And he's going to do a really good job in that role. So uh, I think overall, with but you're, you're getting quite a bit from him in coverage. And he does have the versatility to take on different assignments. He's not quite as good in the deep range as he is uh, in the box. He doesn't have a lot of range. His His speed is a little bit lacking, and sometimes he'll be a little too conservative playing in the deep zones, but he can do it and he's okay in there, even if he's not as good as he is in slot coverage. But that's really where he stands out the most with what he can do in man coverage, especially in the slot. Uh, He adds a lot of value with that. Really good tackler in the passing game too, and a finisher as well. Yeah. And the, the thing with his tackling is that it's in both phases, it's kind of night and day in the run game. He does have some issues with tackling there, but in the passing game, he does finish very efficiently there in 2018 he missed only one tackle against the pass or at least he was credited with missing one tackle and he made 55 so that's a 1.8 percent miss rate that was the best among safeties that year Uh, and over the past three seasons only 6.9 percent miss rate in the passing game the safety average is about 11 percent for uh, for some perspective and that 6.9 percent rate is the eighth lowest among safeties over the past three years so you can count on him to finish those plays in the passing game. Uh, when the ball finds him, he's bringing it down for the most part. Uh, and again, it just goes back to what I said earlier. And the most important thing at safety is to have uh, to have two guys back there who can finish tackles uh, in coverage, not make the massive mistakes that lead to wide open touchdowns down the field. That's what you can't have. And with McDougald, 
Uh, that just has not been the case. Uh, and also with Marcus May, you have two guys back there who are efficient tacklers uh, and in coverage just don't make that big mistake. Doesn't mean they're Earl Thomas or Ed Reed, but they're not making the big mistake that's going to kill you. So in the passing game, overall with McDougal, there's a lot to like. And another thing that he does bring to the table uh, in the passing game, in addition to the slot coverage and the efficient tackling, is that he can make some plays in the flat and in the backfield as well. From 2017 to 2018, he gave up only nine yards per reception. That was third best out of 46 safeties uh, that were tagged with at least 40 receptions over that span. And this past season, he did give up 14 yards per reception, but the Seahawks are playing him uh, deep a lot more, especially in the beginning of the season before they traded for Quandre Diggs. He's playing deep a lot more, so that pushed that average up a little bit. But from 2017 to 18, when he was playing more of a role that will uh, be similar to what he'll probably be doing with the Jets, uh, he was giving up very few yards uh, when the ball did come his, his way. And that's just a testament to what he could do as a tackler Uh, reading plays and then finishing downhill. And in total, he made 38 stops in the passing game over the past three years. And a stop is a tackle that uh, it constitutes a positive result for the defense. So any tackle that is both short of the first down marker and is relatively limited yardage tackles like that. Uh, So he made 38 stops over the past three seasons. That was the seventh most among safeties over that span, even though he only played the 25th most snaps in the passing game so there's a lot to like from him in the passing game that's not to say he's elite in coverage Uh, like I said he did give up quite a few yards per reception last season Uh, had is not great in the deep range although he can do it and has a lot of experience doing it Uh, so it's not to say he's elite or anything close to it but he's definitely above average I think in the passing game Uh, you look at all these different numbers where he is uh, above the norm in safety another one for him in the passing game is that he's only given up 11 touchdowns in his career over uh, over 3,000 coverage snaps in his career. That's one touchdown every 274 snaps. And the safety average in 2019 was 225. Uh, so touchdown pre- uh, prevention. Another thing he brings to the table, just again, going back to limiting big plays. So there's a lot to like from him in the passing game. I think you're definitely getting above average play from him in the passing game. You can feel confident that he's going to give you that. Michael, you talked about McDougal not making the big mistake, and part of that is not getting penalized. He has a very low penalty rate, which is very encouraging. Yeah, and that's really been a theme with a lot of players the Jets have picked up in this offseason. Connor McGovern, even George Fan, surprisingly, but uh, George Fan is one of them. The Jets have picked up a lot of players that have not. Greg Van Roten's another one. Uh, a lot of players that have not committed very many penalties throughout this offseason. Maybe it's just coincidence. Maybe it does kind of play into uh, an increased emphasis on discipline, things like that. Uh, but it, it has been a theme throughout this offseason. Players who are very rarely picking up penalties. But for McDougal, only 10 penalties over 5,044 career defensive snaps. That's 1.98 per 1,000 snaps. And the safety average in 2019 was 2.44. So he's a little bit below that doing a pretty good job avoiding penalties Uh, only had, I believe only had one in the regular season this past year. I think he had a playoff game where he did have two, but uh, for the most part, you see his career uh, has kept the penalties to a very low amount. And and that's definitely something uh, it's always a good way to just a small way to add a little bit of value over the course of the whole season. And the jets have just picked up a lot of players this off season that have 
have really kept the penalties to a minimum. And again, I don't know if they're actually uh, if that's something they're actually emphasizing or if it's just coincidental. But uh, the Jets should be one of the least penalized teams in the league next year if all these players uh, kind of stay on the path that they have been throughout their uh, the majority of their careers. And the Jets could be one of the least penalized teams in the league this year. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Before we get to the weaknesses, Michael, one of the things that I think is both a strength and a weakness of McDougal is his durability because he's played in almost every single game that he's been in the league, but he's been nicked up a bunch, so it's sort of a mixed bag. Yeah, it's it, like you said, it's a mixed bag for him in terms of the health. He's played in 97 out of 99 games since 2014, missed one last year and one in I believe 2014, but only two missed games over the past six seasons. So it makes it seem like he's an Ironman, but he has had, he's been on the injury report quite a bit with, especially with knee injuries in 2014, 2017, uh, and 2018. He was on the injury report at least once to multiple times with a knee injury. And in 2018, he actually missed, uh, well, he didn't miss a game, but he had a few games where three different games where he's listed on the injury report with that knee injury and then played less than his usual 100% of the snaps because he usually played every single down with the Seahawks. But there were have been a few games, and, and this season as well in 2019, uh, there was one where this happened. But he's had a few games 
over the years in which he's questionable going into the game and then is kind of played on a pitch count, doesn't usually play, uh, doesn't play the 100% that he usually does. So he's had quite a few games where he's kind of been banged up, not at 100%. And uh, so it's something that is a little bit worrying going forward, especially as he does go into his age 30 season this year. He'll be 30 in November. So uh, even though he has been able to suit up quite a bit, there have been a handful of games here and there where uh, he's not been at 100%, has been playing, has been held to fewer snaps than he usually plays because of those injuries. Uh, And after 2018, he did have surgery uh, for a partially torn patellar tendon, uh, which he was not initially supposed to have, but his rehab wasn't going as well as hoped. So he decided to have knee knee surgery after that. Uh, So maybe that's part of why, because his numbers were down a little bit in 2019, maybe that played into it. Uh, So that could be a plus or a negative going forward because uh, maybe the second year off of that, he does better, or maybe he's just not going to get back to his previous level of athleticism, especially as he turns 30 years old. So the knee surgery is worth noting. Uh, but overall, the, the health, uh, his overall health profile, he's been rely- you can rely on him to suit up. Only he's missed two games out of almost 100 over the past six seasons. But he has been consistently on the injury report here and there, especially with that knee. So hopefully that is something uh, that doesn't persist going forward. And in 2019, he did miss only one game, and then the next game he was on a pitch count, didn't play too much as he came back from that. But every other one of the games the Seahawks played in the regular season and the playoffs, besides those two, he did play every single snap or close to it. So that was a positive. Uh, But that's really the book on the injuries for him. He's been suiting up, but he has dealt with some nagging injuries here and there. Michael, we talked about how he's been pretty good in pass coverage, but not so good when it comes to run defense. So this is one area where he's going to be a major step backwards from what Jamal Adams brought to the table. Yeah, absolutely. And I think most players would be a big step back from Adams because of how good he was against the run. But run defense is definitely probably McDougal's biggest weakness. And that's not to say he's terrible in that phase because he does get involved in the run game. He's usually in the upper half or close to the top of the league uh, in terms of tackles against the run stops against the run. Uh, So he gets involved, but missed tackles have been an issue Uh, in 2019. He missed nine tackles against the run and made only 27. So that's a 25% miss rate. That was at the 10th percentile among safeties and his run defense grade from pro football focus has been consistently below average as well over the course of his career. His average run defense grade has been 62.9. That would have ranked at the 40th percentile in 2019. So he's been consistently below average, not terrible, but below average. And really the overall gist of his run defense has been that he's gotten there. He's making some tackles. Uh, When you watch him on tape, he does have the ability to knife through the line, uh, whether the offensive line is down blocking or they're trying to bring someone across the formation to block him. Sometimes he shows you the ability to knife through that uh, and make a play in the backfield. But the missed tackles have been an issue. Uh, you see sometimes he's a little slow to process. Sometimes he'll let, uh, he'll let himself be blocked and kind of take on a blocker rather than anticipating the play. And then that leads to him being a little bit slow to the ball and he'll miss tackles uh, because he was too late to get there. So uh, the missed tackles have been an issue in run defense, uh, but he has gotten there to make some plays. So if he can clean up the tackling, Uh, like he did in 2018, and that's another theme with his run defense. He's been up and down. He's had 
a couple seasons, 2016 and 2018 in particular, where he actually put up pretty good numbers against the run overall. And that was because he wasn't missing as many tackles. So if he can get the missed tackles down, uh, he's finding the ball enough and his role, you know, playing strong safety closer to the line much of the time. Uh, If he can get the missed tackles down, he should be able to make a lot of plays. But like I said last year, 10th percentile in miss rate against the run. So that's something he's got to improve upon. But you knew you you were going to be downgrading here from Jamal Adams quite a bit. Uh, But this isn't McDougal's strong suit for sure. But I think he's not terrible in this phase. Another area that you wouldn't consider a strong suit for McDougal is pass rushing, which is a huge strong suit for Jamal Adams. And it's interesting, Michael, because when Corbin Smith was on the show, he talked about how the Seahawks don't tend to pay pass rushers big money. We know that they dealt Frank Clark, for example, rather than paying him. And perhaps they're going to find a way to use Jamal Adams the way that Greg Williams did last year as a situational pass rusher. Greg Williams is not going to be able to do that with McDougal at all. He's going to have to find other ways to get pressures on the quarterback. So that's one area where this is definitely going to hurt the Jets defense. Yeah, McDougal is definitely no Jamal Adams. And just like in the run game, you knew you were going to be taking a step back here because Adams is that good. And Adams really has an argument to be maybe the best pass rushing safety, uh, if not of the past decade, maybe even ever, because some of the the records that he has set, uh, even though we don't have pass rushing numbers for all of NFL history, but he's fantastic there, easily the best right now. So you knew you'd be taking a step back, but... Uh, there are some other safeties in the league that can, that do have some capabilities as a blitzer, even if not on Adams' level. But McDougal isn't really one of those. He hasn't been used as a blitzer too much. Only 70 pass rush snaps in his career, his seven-year career. Adams rushed 101 times in 2019 alone. So it's a huge difference in terms of that production. And he hasn't been – McDougal hasn't been too productive with those either. Pick has only – a half sack in his regular season career and has picked up a sack or a QB hit on only four of his 70 career pass rush attempts. Adam had Adams had 14 last year alone. So it's a humongous down. I mean, he's going to look a lot worse when you're putting him next to Adams, who's easily the best pass rushing defensive back in the league right now, but uh, still below average and hasn't been used. And it doesn't really matter what his efficiency is just because he hasn't been used there too much. Last year he was used, Uh, on 22 snaps as a pass rusher that was a career high for him so only about one time per game in the most he's ever been used as a pass rusher so it's not something he really brings to the table but there the one positive is that he was a little bit better there last year like I said 22 pass rush snaps last year that was the highest total of his career and he did pick up two sacks one of those in the playoffs uh, and a, a knockdown and also had three hurries uh, on those 22 rushes. So seven total or six total pressures over 22 pass rush snaps, pretty solid, but uh, he's definitely not the type of player who's going to be taking on a big portion of those pass rush snaps left over by Jamal Adams. Maybe Brian Poole takes on some of those uh, or the other defensive backs are used a little bit more. Uh, the linebackers, you have Williamson and Mosley coming back. You could trust them probably a little bit more to blitz to pick up some of those snaps left over by Jamal Adams, but McDougal is definitely not a strong suit for him. And that's not to say it's a weakness because it's just such a small portion of the snaps that he's playing anyway, but uh, it's not something that he's going to be able to uh, make up for uh, that Adams is leaving open. Those pass rush snaps are going to have to be filled 
in other ways. Obviously, McDougald can fill a small portion of it, uh, but he's definitely not going to be able to pick up much of that slack. This will probably be an audition year for him too, Michael, because he's a free agent at the end of the year. But even though he's going to turn 30, if he can give them a solid season, he's playing at an affordable rate right now at about $5 million a year. So if they can bring him back on a reasonably cheap deal for a year or two with what we've seen from Joe Douglas this past year, not committing a ton of cap space and long-term money to players, maybe he's somebody that comes back, especially since they did give up something to get him, so maybe they continue that relationship if he works out well in 2020. Yeah, and especially this year, he can be a solid value, 5.4 million cap hit this year, which is currently slated to be 19th among safeties. Uh, So, you know, starter money, but not something that is uh, similar to the number that Adams would be, I think, a little bit higher than what Adams would be getting. But uh, going forward, it will be interesting to see how they handle him if he does have a good season because you drafted Ashton Davis. They obviously have plans for him going forward. Uh, But if Davis isn't ready, then you could have McDougal hold the fort down for another year. Uh, And maybe if, you know, if and if Davis isn't ready going into his second season, maybe the Jets don't think that, you know, he will be at any point and you just uh, have McDougal hold the fort down while they maybe draft someone else to develop at safety or maybe scan the free agent market or you first scan the free agent market for maybe a solution at safety and McDougald can be your fallback plan but uh, he will be 30 years old but and that always is a warning sign but you know we've seen a lot of examples throughout the league and with the Jets of players playing well into their 30s Steve McClendon is well into his 30s and actually just had uh, his probably his best season in the league and is still one of their best players so he's an example uh, so just because a player turns 30 doesn't mean you immediately ignore them and just toss them to the side. Uh, it's a warning sign. You need to be really careful about investing into those players. But uh, if he does play well, uh, and especially because he's been, you know, mostly durable and consistent throughout his the past six years, if he can add a seventh straight year of consistency and reliability, uh, then, you know, he could be a very viable option going to next season. But Uh, Ashton Davis is the big X factor, how well he develops and the the confidence that the team has in him going into 2021 should really dictate how they handle uh, McDougald's free agency after the season. We'll also determine a lot about whether or not the Jets try to bring Marcus May back too because Marcus May and Ashton Davis essentially play the same position. So if Davis makes progress and they feel comfortable with him heading into 2021, then perhaps they're less likely to pay May. And knowing that McDougal can play strong safety, maybe they want the combination of McDougal and Ashton Davis, at least in the short run, because as you said, he's certainly not going to be a long-term answer. Michael Nania covering all the stats from every angle over at JetsXFactor.com. Thanks so much for coming on, as always, for the Chronicles of Nania. Really appreciate it. This is going to be an interesting season for the Jets, and it took a very fascinating turn with the departure of Jamal Adams, but it's hard not to be excited right now about the draft picks and what Joe Douglas might be able to do with them. And because we're so excited, we're churning out tons of content all over the place. And I know, Michael, you're working on so much over at JetsXFactor.com on a daily basis. I don't even know how you come up with half this stuff. What do you got cooking over there? Yeah, I should have a few more training camp primers coming up. Uh, just like this Bradley McDougald one, breaking down strengths and weaknesses, both through the numbers and a few examples 
on film. So I've been doing quite a few of those uh, for Blake Cashman, Quinn and Williams, Bless Austin, Quincy Wilson. Uh, so a lot of key players going to next season. Uh, I'm excited for football to be back. Hopefully it goes smoothly uh, and they can learn a little bit from MLB right now and just kind of have a smooth, smooth sailing season free of too much drama, as, as little as you can have right now. <laughs> Fingers crossed for that. Fingers crossed. Go ahead and follow Michael on Twitter at Michael underscore Nania and check out his work at JetsXFactor.com. If you haven't had a chance to give us a five-star review on iTunes yet, if you could go ahead and do that for us, really appreciate it. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we would be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcast, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and Turn on the Jets. Dot com.